It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Benny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. And that's what we do. Ben Suttoth bringing us in with the voiceover for the BS3 Network. Terry Brown, Vinny Hardy, another episode of Cats Talk. Wednesday, we focus on Kentucky. We branch out to all the random stuff. We got a lot of random stuff we'll get to uh, this evening. TB, you you had... You walked through the fog, right? You were you were in the field house Saturday, right? We Man, got- yeah, I I was. It was all the big games. Uh, uh, Kansas on Saturday. I went to the Drake Loyola Chicago game on Sunday with friend of the show uh, Adam Jacoby, and of course the the championship football game. So yeah, yeah, but uh, seeing it in person, man. I know we're gonna talk about the. Uh, Cats trip to Lawrence and uh yeah it was it was it was it was fun. It's it's really fun when your team is playing at such a high level. Man, so, so we got we yeah, gotta get into uh, all of it. Gotta get into absolutely, all of it. absolutely. Something see if we can get these hot takes for this cold ice storm moving through most of the country. That's it. That's hot it. takes, baby. <laughs> and we got a game coming up in less than an hour. Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Get the second matchup against the Commodores at home. And then you got Alabama coming up Saturday. We got a guest we're going to bring in here in a few minutes as well. And he is he's outside of Kansas City. So he he will give we'll get the Jayhawk perspective, the perspective from the Chiefs. And look, he was still, still brave enough to come on, still a gamer. Didn't not a fair weather guy at all. We'll talk with Al High here in just a second. I'm gonna just go ahead and uh, let everybody know. You know, follow us on Cast Talk Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook. Most of y'all already know that. You can listen on Anchor, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. On the podcast side, we're proud to be part of the BS3 Network. On the Roku side, Ben Sutter, Ivan Dawkins. Uh, be glad to be part of that with all the other great podcasts that are there where people can actually watch us now. So, y'all, we, we had people tweeting pictures where they're watching us on the Roku. Mm-hmm. We appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, and the people also help bring the podcast to you. We got to give props to play action pools. Our guy, Christian McCollum, who's a Notre Dame fan and Notre Dame did beat us head to head early on. And he didn't even really mess with us and, and talk any trash to us. He's a Notre Dame guy. Go to yeah. playactionpools.com. You got contests for every sport, NBA, Super Bowl coming up. You got a bingo game coming out where you can get a group and, and get your picks in for that. Playactionpools.com and our friends at Lots of Rain watches, Lots of Rain timepieces, men's, women's, whatever type of watch you need, accessories, they got them. Go to la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com, Lots of Rain. And without any further ado, we'll go ahead and bring our guest in because he can talk Kansas and Kentucky with us. He can talk Chiefs and Bengals. He can talk NFL. I was just on his show last week. We're talking about Al High from right outside Kansas City. He hosts the Casual Highlight Podcast, which is also part of this BS3 Network family that we're part of. Proud to be able to have Al on here with us. Let's bring him right in here from the green room, straight in with us. Al, man, what's good? How you doing? 
Hey, what's going on? It's good to be on this uh, Kentucky The Cats Talk crew, man. Thank you for having me. Um, we appreciate you joining us. Doing good. It's, it's nice and cold. I'm I'm close to you. I'm here in Iowa, so, you know. Oh, oh y'all got it, hit, too. Yeah, yeah this is, yeah. Snow. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the snow, the ice, the minus 20, the wind. I'm learning mm -hmm. about the Midwest. Yeah, it's I'm a little, learning. It's a little different up here. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of different than the dirty south i tell you that yeah yeah appreciate we, you yeah. joining us man appreciate it yeah we, we had a foot of snow outside right now i didn't even go outside today i just i'm staying home today i'm not moving nowhere it's my off day <laughs> let me let me stay right here in the house in the, in the heat <laughs> and see al, al this man got his own merch he got the casual highlight they sent out some to us, so I had to put mine on since I was coming exactly. on. You got the hoodie and the hat, so when you yeah, do, I'm, I'm developing the hoodie right now, man. It's it's I got something crazy for, for the spring with the hoodie, but definitely I got some hats, man. We getting we getting it rolling out here, man. So I'm looking forward to spring weather. Definitely. Now, did did you say hats? Yeah, I got some hats. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because uh, hats is my thing. I'm up to 145 hats, caps, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a my my wife is not a fan of said collection, but you know. Yeah. But everybody, <laughs> everybody name. has everybody has their thing. Like you know, some people like shoes, some people like watches, some people like tech stuff. So everybody at least has one or two things. And most women have a lot of clothes and shoes. <laughs> so I'm gonna whisper this. Purses, but you know, Purse, you didn't oh, hear that from oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't hear that from oh, yeah. me. Anyway, back to the game. <laughs> Man, I gotta, I gotta ask you first of all, Al. Look, your last name is High H Y G H. Yes. Casual highlight. That just, that just, I mean, it just, it wrote, wrote itself. So tell us how the Casual Highlight podcast came to be, and also disrespect your senses. Tell us about both of those before we get into uh, the sports talk. We're gonna talk it, you know, jump into. So uh highlights was something that um my mom was uh was a pastor she wanted to have something called highlight ministry so um long story short the highlight is in memory of her and so i was actually finishing up some grad work and i said what what can i do besides you know um what can i do to contribute to the world and i started writing down different gifts of things and as i was writing my dissertation i mean i said the word casual highlight because i said I'm, I'm a sports fan and so my goal with casual highlight was to educate, inform, and inspire while having casual and conscious conversations about sports. It's always developing because something new that I'm talking about in sports. And so that's where casual highlights came about. The at a disrespect your senses, I was in class one day and um, the teacher, well, my, my professor at the time was talking about, you know, you gotta live by faith. So you have to disrespect your senses and, and things what you see, hear, taste, smell, you it might look one way but really what, what is God saying? And that's actually becoming a deeper meaning to me because of so much stuff that we're seeing today that we have literally been, been blinded by. It literally feels like the matrix. The matrix said we, we, we were given one thing, but, but, we, but, but when you really do the, the digging, it's something totally different. So disrespect your sense is also redeveloping because I, certain things, you know, it's just trying to put people on, on notice about, hey, you might see it as this way, but what's the real root and the, and the real meaning of it? So that's 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 what those two come from. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So definitely had to let you talk about your podcast, how they came to be. You're in this BS3 network with us and putting out good content. Uh, I had a blast on your show. We were, we were talking Blue Bloods. We yeah. were talking NFL playoffs. We were kind of previewed. 
Kansas and Kentucky because that was you know two or three days before the game actually happened. So enjoy being on with you. Appreciate you again doing the home and home and coming on here with us, man. Yes, yes, it's an honor. Yeah. <laughs> so TB, you were in Lawrence, right? We got TB was was on the scene, right for the for the for the game. Yeah, it was one of those situations where I was in the building, kind of way up, away, but in the building, right? That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. And uh, talking about Blue Bloods, I had a great time. Uh, you know, I think uh, Kansas fans, I was talking about this last night on our spaces, Vinny. I, when it comes to college basketball, I can handle the Blue Bloods. Like me and Kansas fans, or Kansas fans and I, my mother's an English teacher, she going to get on me. But we can have a conversation. Kentucky and Kansas fans can have a conversation. North Carolina, Duke, because it's a different level. It's a, it's a different thing. There's there's that mutual respect. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch when you all were talking, but the thing is, Blue Bloods, people act like the Kansases and Kentuckys, it was just ordained that they would be good. The problem with that is a lot of people put a lot of work in to make Blue Bloods Blue Bloods, right? Mm-hmm. So just because Gonzaga has been good for the last 20 years, you ain't been good for the last 80. That's the that's the difference. So but that being said, I had a you know, I had a it was great. I I, I prefer the field house to Rupp Arena. Not been a fan yeah. of Rupp Arena. Uh, the physical space, you know, yeah. it's in the downtown. It's 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 very it the thing about Rupp is it's for a bunch of other things except for basketball. And so mm-hmm. you've got everything going on besides basketball. Give me a facility that tells the story like like the field house mm-hmm. where you know oh there's something from james naismith that's that's pretty cool like you know it, it, you can tell that story and i wish kentucky had something more uh like that but the game itself was fun <laughs> <laughs> if, if you were the boys in the in the in the kentucky blue but yeah. uh the thing is kansas i watched them last night against iowa state they, they they're gonna bounce back uh, you're not going to be able to tell this season uh, without Kansas have a little something to say. But as far as the game itself, I like I said, I had a good time. Good stuff. And uh, like Al, would you know you grow up a Kansas fan? Go to a lot of games up there in the field house, or so, 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 so let me tell you, let me tell you my story about Kansas. All right, you won't, but you will not believe this. Currently, I am not a Jayhawks fan. I am a Wichita State fan. Oh, okay. um, I grew up as a Jayhawk fan when when, War, when when Roy Williams was there, and there was Jock Vaughn, Paul Pierce, Rafe LaFrance, that particular era. And in 97, we lost to the Arizona Wildcats. And my heart was broke, like, man, we were supposed to meet Rick Pitino in, 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 in the RCA Dome for, for, for the champ. It was supposed to be us i think you all kentucky north carolina three blue bloods was gonna be right there in in the rca dome and it in arizona crushed our dreams and yep. then 98 we made that run with paul pearson and rafe and we got crushed to a team called rhode island <laughs> so i really i kind of just like back the west said you know what I started, I had this thing for underdogs. I was like, man, let, let's get some other teams over here to, to at least try and win some games. You know, so I, I flirted with them, you know, 
when when uh Simeon was there and Aaron Miles and uh Keith Langford and um Kirk Heinrich and um who's the other boy that had just retired play with the Thunder Collison. Nick Nick Collison, yeah. Nick yeah. Collison, yeah. And I and you know when they went to the final four back to back, I was like, okay, it'd be dope to have some bragging rights and to talk about them. And they lost to Syracuse and Maryland. And so I'm like, okay, here we go again. And then when and then when Roy left, just the fans and 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 this lot, lot of fans from Kansas was very bitter with Roy of how he left because they felt like, well, he's supposed to be here forever. And the first time he said in 2000 he wasn't leaving. Well, things change, stuff changes. And so I was kind of like, man, I can't deal with these fans like this. So I really, and I always watch Wichita State, and I'm big on mid-majors and underdogs making noise. That's why I love the, the the March Madness, because anytime a team can get hot and they hit a game when a shot, like I'm, that's that's me. Like I, I love seeing that stuff. Like I, I liked when Wichita State went to the Final Four in 2013 and, and, and nearly beat a Louisville team who's final, who's, National championship has been erased now. Out that's the record correct. books. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, true. But um, but going on tours, I've been to a couple of games at at the Field House, and it is a different atmosphere. If you want to understand what basketball is, and just like can, basketball is, is started in the heart of America, and it literally branched out. And I think uh, me and Benny was talking last week about how we have the different trees of how Rupp, you know, learned from from um, mm-hmm. uh, Fog Allen and how mm-hmm. Fog Allen coached all these other great greats. And then Adolph Rupp has several great people. Um, Joe Moore, the gentleman who just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Hamilton came from under him, you know, in, in the connection with Eddie Sutton because he Eddie Sutton learned under Henry Iba. And then we had, and then you know the, the situation with Roy Williams and Dean Smith, Dean Smith and um, Bill Guthridge are from Kansas, and, mm-hmm. and went and went to the University of Kansas. So all these different connections, and then and then even the UCLA's of the world, and 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 all that stuff. I just love how when, when you do research on people, how everything connects. Like I'm, I'm one of the people who sees a person's name. Well, let me look up where they started at and how they connect with this person. Cal- Matter of fact, John Calipari and Bill Self was on. I think they were both grad assistants at, at KU at one time. So mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. all this stuff connects is just is just amazing to me. When 20, 2017, when Kansas came to Lexington, and of course they got the win that day, uh, I set where we no- started at where we normally sit at TB. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the in the media in our in our section where we sit, but then. I don't know, halftime or end of the first half, I went down to the tunnel right where, you know, Kansas exits to, exits to go to the locker room and watch the game there. You know, Mark Stoops came through for a minute. Uh, and I looked over to the to my right, and there was Larry Brown just standing there. I was like, oh, that's, that's called Brown. <laughs> so I was like, let me, let me, you know, act like you cool, act like you've been there. Don't just, you know, freak out, so be cool. I was like, hey, how you doing, coach? And, you know, we just passed the word, and – he went on to say, to your point, Al, he said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm torn watching this game. He said, I love Bill. I love Cal. I had them both. I like both of these guys. I'm, I'm, you know, this, this game just tearing me up watching these two go at it. So he, you know, he was, he intimately knows both of those guys, has a relationship with them for years and years. And it was just fun. Just that little moment chatting with him about it. But you, 
switching from Kansas to, to Wichita State, you kind of sound like with Monty Jones. You had to get off that Jayhawk narcotic. You just had to, had to had to get off of it. Part okay, so here's the other part of it. And I and I've and this is year later. I had to it's kind of like okay, so I lived in Baton Rouge for about eight years. And everybody on that on that LSU train and I'm and, or, or the Saints train, like everybody. And then you and then you have the sprinkle of cowboy fans, you know, in there for every uh three Saints fans, two or three Saints fans, there was a Cowboys fan and or a 49ers fan or a Packer fan. I come now and say, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Right? <laughs> Chiefs, what I'm – and I had a customer at, at my store one time say, man, don't mention them, them ever again. You a Chiefs fan. At least say the Browns. I said, what? I said, he don't know his history, bro. And and uh, not, not, not to switch the subject, but – you know, years later, you know, we we hit the jackpot with Patrick Mahomes and won a Super Bowl. But I have I have a thing for just I want to see people win. I want to see people get get somewhere and be a champion. Everybody win. Now you got to work for it. And in real life, you have to work for it. Like like Alabama in football, they've been dominating. They have been they have been slaughtering folks. Like our expectation every week of Alabama is they're gonna they're gonna beat the brakes off somebody. Um, yeah. Georgia found it out firsthand. You know, hey, you got you got to play with them all four quarters to beat them to beat Alabama. Clemson found that out. A lot of people found that out. So when it comes to Wichita State, it was good seeing a couple years back in the tournament, Wichita State against Kansas, playing playing one other. I think that was the, that was the 2015 tournament, and they were beating them. You know, it's when looking back at KU went 14 straight. Big 12 championships, regular season Big 12 championships. Two of those years, Kansas State was tied for first with them. I think it was one or two years they, they was tied. I know it was, it was 2013 they, they, they was tied with them. And I'm like, there was no way they should be tied splitting the regular season title. It's because they couldn't close. When you when, when you play Kansas, one thing that they start slow, and then if you got your, your foot on their neck, you, you, got, you got to finish them. And many teams, you know, watching them they don't they don't close it out they don't they, they don't finish with kansas from the big 12 to non-conference they don't finish it or, or kansas because you know basketball is a game is a game full of runs mm -hmm. if you get on the run if you get cold one time and that team and you up 16 and that and that team comes back from 16 down to tied up especially with kansas and, and 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 the talent that they have it's unbelievable and um and in that run, it still amazes me how Kansas has went to 14 Big 12 titles and has three Final Fours to show for it. That, that <laughs> still amazes me. All the players that came through, through Lawrence, Kansas, the Boris Twins, Andrew Wiggins. Um, I know Joel Embiid was hurt during the tournament uh, mm -hmm. one year. But I'm like, we should at least have – they should at least have some more Final Fours in there. I mean, that, it, that, the thing about Kansas – you know the tournament is random, right? The the, the yeah. best team rarely wins the NCAA tournament because of the nature of single elimination. All it takes is one bad, basically one bad fifteen minute stretch can can ruin your season. But yeah. with Kansas, I had to Google like who are they losing to? Bucknell? Like yeah. I'm in Iowa right now. Uh, uh, Got a neighbor that's a Northern Iowa fan still talking about that Arifa Mukmaresh. Or I, I can't say his name, but you know the dude when they were up one pulled up for three, like yeah. you know. So Kansas yeah. was losing to a lot of 
who are those teams? You know, that's the thing you were talking about. BCU. With the, yeah, BCU. With the, with, yeah, with the mid-majors, that's who yeah. Kansas was tripping up to, was mm-hmm. these teams that, that – and the thing about when it comes to those mid-majors, those veteran teams, and they're usually veteran teams, they can stop your run, mm-hmm. right? They can, if, mm-hmm. if you're used to going on a 10-12 run, they make it a 4-6 to six run, and they can stop it without calling a timeout. And that's what trips up Kentucky sometimes. That's what trips up these – uh, higher ranked, higher profile teams is what do you do if the other team, you know, on the fly switches? What do you do? And that's what happened a lot of time to Kansas, happened to Kentucky, you know, but yeah. but Kansas had that run. It's like, who is that team? You know, right. And 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 on the game on Saturday, I was waiting for Kentucky. I was waiting for Kansas to make that run. I said, okay, they're down 15 points. I've seen this story before. I've seen West Virginia come in here and be up 15 with five minutes to go, and all of a sudden mayhem happens in, in, in the building. I've, I've seen Baylor comes in here and do something. I've seen this story before. I was waiting for something. But I got to give credit to where credit is due. Kentucky stayed on it. And, I, and, 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 and you know, I think Abaji didn't get his first field goal until the second half. I can't remember. But, but I, don't, I, yeah. I can't remember right now. But they, but they, and they made shots. At the end of the day, you have to make shots. And Kentucky looked like a final four team when, when they came to the Allen Fieldhouse. I'm like, Auburn, everybody talking about the happy story in the SEC of Auburn, and they talk a little bit about Tennessee and, and all that. I said, listen, wait till, wait till SEC tournament time. Wait till the tournament. That Kentucky team, we're going we gonna to find out who's still, who, 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 who's still talking then because that, that Kentucky team right there, and a Kentucky team y'all sent down there to Auburn was not was, was not the, was not the same Kentucky team that was at Allen Fieldhouse. That was night and day. I said, "Wait a minute, now hold on, what, what's going on here?" Well, <laughs> we, the 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 two losses we've had since uh, uh, since Notre, Notre Dame. Dame at mm-hmm. LSU and then on the road at Auburn, our starting backcourt was out for major chunks of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Ty uh, Ty went out just about eight minutes into Auburn, Vinny. And that changed everything. They're up 10, yep. and, and Ty Ty goes out. Severe gets gets checked again. Yeah. And so when healthy, this team is – they're firing on all cylinders. Oscar Chibway is rebounding. Uh, they're playing at a very high level. And if Keon Brooks, who had 27 against Kansas, if he can mm-hmm. bring that every every night, yeah. that's a Final Four team. That's, that's a wrap, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got uh, Grady, who's who's hitting threes at a Steph Curry. He's nice. Grade. He's nice, yeah. man. I'm sorry, and, man. that brother. And it, nice. his, his defense on Abaji was was really the defense was really mm-hmm. the difference. He frustrated him most of the night. So if they can keep playing at that high level, you know, it, I think I think Final Four bust. Okay. And I'm I'm dying on this hill. I keep talking about it. look it's. Jacob Toppin's offensive game is percolating. He he's hit another three. He's he's it's you know it might not fully blossom, but we we're gonna see a little more here and a little more there from him. And then you get you know the two headed monster him and and Keon at the four spot, which has been a quote weakness all year long. And if you can steal minutes with with uh, Toppin off the bench and Ware off the bench for Kentucky, that. That that makes that bench that that nice eight man rotation that Cal likes to play. What I did like was uh, Kansas cut the lead to about fourteen. And I want to say mm-hmm. it's like seven or eight minutes left, and mm-hmm. you're kind of thinking, 
here it is. Okay, Kansas going to hit a couple more buckets, get the single digits, and it's going to be interesting. And then the Cats went on like an 8-0 run. You know, right. you got that stretch in there where uh, Oscar did the Moses Malone, Vinny, where he missed the layup, oh, rebounded, missed the layup, rebounded like three or four. And that yeah. was just a backbreaker. That was just a, a, a backbreaking play. Throwing where, dudes out the way, too. Just get out yeah, of the way. Yeah, he just kind of, you know, you got to shake him off a little bit. Because uh, he's like, hey, we're playing grown man basketball here. And that's what I liked about the officials, too. The official let him play grown yeah. man basketball. Sometimes what happens, these officials will, will get whistle happy. And I love it when two big programs like Kansas, Kentucky, play. just let them play, right? There's McDonald's All-Americans all over the place. There's all Big 12, all SEC guys. Just let these dudes play. And that's what they did on Saturday. So the officials didn't become a, a thing either. So, I, again, I think Kansas, they rebounded uh, last night at Iowa State, which is a tough pace, place to play. So they're going to be back in it. And, and Kentucky's going to be back in it. Uh, because after last year's tournament where we saw Baylor and Gonzaga and who else, you know, this is the return of the Blue Bloods. Let Kansas yeah. have a deep run in Duke and Kentucky. I don't know what's going on in North Carolina, but let those teams, let those teams kind of have uh, – you know, they Wait a minute. Because they went to overtime. I don't know. Did they lose last night? No, North <laughs> Carolina beat Louisville in overtime. Right. Uh, but it was a question – I'm just talking about – <laughs> you know, North Carolina, they got blown out by Kentucky by almost 30. It was like yeah. uh, to Miami, Miami Florida, by almost, yeah. Yeah, Florida sorry, by yeah. almost 30. So I don't know what's going on with Hubert Davis. You know, we were talking, I think, on the spaces, Vinny. Has there been a college program where a player has come back to coach and it's been runaway successful? You know, when you look at, you know, maybe North Carolina with Hubert Davis, but you know, Clyde Drexler went back to Houston. Chris Mullen went back to St. John's. Uh, Patrick Ewing in Georgetown. How is that going to end? They you know, over in the conference right now. They over. Yeah, in yeah they, they, but yeah, they. But they. But the part. But part of that. I mean, he can. He can have a bailout excuse at uh, Georgetown. Here, and here's his excuse, and, and hopefully he can get one more year because they look. They look bad right now. Here's his excuse. You could say we've been on COVID pause. And you could say, hey, we just won the Big East title last year, the Big East uh, tournament, and we made a run. Give me another year, and let's get this together. Because most of their team is like, what, freshmen and sophomores? I don't think they have any upperclassmen right. at Georgetown right now. So that could be his bailout. But it's like, dog, man, like, listen, y'all getting – you got to at least win two games in, in the Big East regular season. <laughs> right. right. And, and, you, and you, you look at Memphis with Penny, yeah, you know, you look right. at Memphis with Penny, it's like – Stars coming back to coach their own monitor. It's it's it doesn't end, you know. It's very rare to get that storybook, uh, that storybook finish. But Fred Hoiberg wasn't he at Iowa State? How did, what, did that? Yeah, yeah, but he did good until he went to coach the Bulls, right? Yeah, you making me you making me Google stuff, but I'm think I think that's how it went. <laughs> Fred, Fred Fred did well. Fred was a thorn at when you talk about Hilton Magic. Fred, yeah, and for like four years, four or five years in, in that stretch, hey, they they gave it to KU. I mean, they like they uh when it when they come to, to the Big 12 tournament, I think he won two Big 12 tournaments, and they, mm -hmm. and they used to call uh the T-Mobile the Center Hilton Magic Hilton Coliseum South for Kansas City because of the dominance in the uh Big 12 tournament. So but you, but what you're saying, Terry, is like you're saying star power. Like Fred, Fred played ball in the NBA, but he wasn't like a 
big time like NBA player like like a dream team person like 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 a Chris Mullen or a Patrick yeah. Ewing or like yeah. um Penny type type deal. Yeah. Right, right. And and he, the thing about yeah. Penny is uh I think what happens is the alumni, the boosters, oh, we got Penny, we got Patrick Ewing, let's bring those guys in, right? Everybody wants it to work. I think with Penny, what happened was he wasn't doing the he wasn't doing or hasn't done the little things like everybody talks about the X's and O's and that's part of it. But an interesting point that um, Fran for talked about last night during the Kansas game was how Bill self was going to set up rest for, for the next Kansas game. That stuff mm-hmm. as a head coach, you've got to be on top of all that. And if you've never done it before, you know, I think it's tough to learn a lot of that stuff on the fly is how do you set up a program recruiting? If you're Penny or, or Patrick Ewing, that's kind of easy, right? Hey, I'm Penny Hardaway. X's nose, I think is a little bit easy, right? But it's that day-to-day fine tuned stuff that you don't have to do if you're a star and you have to learn on the fly under this big microscope. I think that has a lot to do with how sometimes these things don't pan out. Yeah. Well, even even with Penny Hardaway, I think because he he never he he coached AAU ball. The difference between mm-hmm. him and pa- Patrick Ewing coached in the league for about fifteen years. Patrick's been associate coach, associate yeah. head coach. So I don't yeah. know if it's the getting the, the recruits to come to Georgetown. How are you selling the programs t- to the players? As far as Penny, he he's getting the players, but like you said, a, a, that scheduling part and, and that scheduling piece. Like I think his first year he had um, Larry Brown on the sideline with him. So, so my, my question is, who is your experienced associate head coach who's been a coach to be able to, to coach you through that through that type of stuff? That that's and 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 he I think his teams have been pretty good, but like injuries, COVID, young team, I don't know, um, and that day to day stuff because I think Memphis still should be a little bit better. Than, than where they are right now, but you know he, he, he's not he's not leaving Memphis anytime soon. No, because they 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 want him there. That's the thing, and and so uh, you basically you can fire about ninety five percent of all coaches out there. You know the boosters can find a reason if they want you gone. Uh, also, if they want you to stay, they can give you an extra year. And I think Penny's got that goodwill built in where he'll say this offseason, look. We getting better or whatever it is, he'll be able to point to something like you were saying how like Patrick Ewing could point to, hey, you know, we did go through the Big East tournament. We got some young guys to give himself a little bit of time, but I want them both to do well because you know I grew up watching those guys. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to flip it to the to the NFL a little bit real quick too, and and. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we thought we might be, you know, we could have easily been maybe talking about a Niners Chiefs rematch from what we just saw a couple years ago. But, you know, I was on your show, Al, and I, I said it. You got to, you know, Jordan just didn't waltz to the finals without taking his lumps against the Pistons. The Pistons didn't just show up and start winning the East. They had to break through against the Celtics. See, the Bengals, okay, you end your playoff drought against the Raiders. Okay, great. Oh, you even parlayed into a win over the Titans. Okay. But y'all ain't they ain't walking into Kansas City, four AFC championship games in a row, 
and and just gonna win that one, especially when you just beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. So if they were overlooking you, they're not now. And they went in there and and came out with the win, and they they waltzed on to the Super Bowl. I mean, so I was wrong. Old takes exposed. If I you know get me if I said anything and tweeted whatever, but the you know we already talked about the Jayhawks, and now you know the the Chiefs just. They let him off the hook, like Denny Green said. They had him and let him off the hook. Him off the hook. My goodness. I so with this loss, I wasn't as sick as I was when when we lost to the Patriots because we hadn't been there. Now we know we got a resume. You, you, you it's the first time ever in NFL history you you host four you host four conference championship games when before that you had never hosted a conference championship game. So I, I took the. I took that as the good side. The bad side, I said, listen, the second half from the from that last play in the first half to all the way in the second half, this was on Patrick. This, this was on Grim. Since so since since he's the Grim Reaper, it was Grim and it stayed Grim because he didn't become the Reaper. It just stayed Grim. Hmm. I took this. I put this on on Patty on, on Patty Grim Reaper Holmes because the the play that we could have got three points. He could have ran. He had a space all day on the other side, and he could have ran it in, but he forced it into Tyreek. Okay, halftime. Okay, we'll, we'll get the ball first, second half. We get the ball first, second half, and I think we go we go three and out back to back times. I said, "Up, oh, that, that, that's momentum. You can't." And the Chiefs' defense is okay. And the Chiefs' defense is built on we make key plays and we feed off the offense and make our key plays and. When the offense wasn't staying on the field and making plays, we could we could we couldn't sack Burrow. Mixon Mixon was being stopped all day, all the way up until overtime. If you just joke, the, the running game could not get going. They had the screen game going, but, but the running game was, it was being stopped. Jamar Chase, I said he's gonna figure it out and get open. Jamar Chase finally got open. Part of it is because the, the momentum of the offense was not handling business. And then the last two minutes of that, the last two minutes in that red zone. What the hell was this? I, I'm just in my head. I'm just like, man, what is going on? Like, some of the, I know they didn't want to give the ball back to the Bengals. They didn't because they didn't want to have what happened the week before. So they were trying to figure out ways. But like my coach, it was piss poor. It was piss poor. It was it was poor clock management, in my opinion. You could have you could have did better stuff. You could have ran a couple plays, and then Patrick almost lost the ball. Yeah, like. And we and and luckily, so we was out of field goal range, but then he lost the ball, and luckily we got the ball back. So then he kicked it. So I gotta give this to I can't blame the, the defense. People are saying, well, we gotta blame the defense. Nope, we're not blaming that. Well, let's blame the overtime rules. We gotta change the overtime rules. Nope, we ain't changing the overtime rules. Well, do we blame Andy Reid? Mm, maybe twenty five percent, but we gotta put this on on Patrick because it was all about execution. It was all about executing stuff. And then also I put the 25% on Andy because Andy should have ran the boy McKinnon boy. Jared McKinnon is nice. That brother is nice. Like, like screenplays and different plays set up for him. I think he should have maybe took the ball out of Patrick's hand to calm him down and ran McKinnon more. So that, you, that's my you, thoughts on it. Do you think with Patrick Mahomes, is it because he is ridiculously talented, right? He's, He's a five-tool guy. He, he's he's one of the best we've seen with 
the throws he can make and the things. He, do you think he tries to do a little too much? Like you're saying, there were some plays, some simple plays he could have made in that last second drive or last, you know, that last two minutes where the simple play was right there, but he's got this confidence in himself. And it's like he tries to add a degree of difficulty to what he's doing besides just take just just take that five yard play. It's there. Take it instead of trying to do a little too much. He did. He, and, and he proved it. And, and you, you're exactly right. So, yes, he does. Because, see, if you look at overtime, he almost he almost gave a Valentine's Day gift to Eli Apple, who can never for some reason catch the ball. When, when it's thrown to him and and then the like two plays later or play later he threw it he threw an intersect an interception in double coverage and teams know that there is double that, that all we got to do is double cover them yeah then we we I mean, we're not double cover but it's um two safeties up and, and everybody knows that so they went back in the lab and started creating stuff and i think he was he was pushing and he was rushing too much like because what happened was when you get winning, you thinking, okay, hey, we can keep this going, you know. We hey, we got them. We 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 on this winning streak. We hey, we can't be stopped. And then you thinking, well, well, we can go back and we can have Tyreek beat them. No, no, no. It, it didn't. It didn't happen that way. And what was hilarious, y'all, when he threw that interception, it was thirteen seconds into overtime. I don't know if you y'all y'all noticed that. <laughs> I, I I saw I saw a, a tweet with that. And, and that was the thing that was just so jarring because he was so good the previous week mm-hmm. with two minutes left in regulation and in overtime. He was so good that it was just mind boggling. It's like, what are you doing? I'm yelling at the TV. I'm not even a Chiefs fan. It's like, what, what are you doing now? My man, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, I knew what he was. Look, I've been saying to Vinny since the, the Super Bowl appearance last year or two years ago, I'm sorry. Jimmy G is who he is. I'm never going to get on social media and talk about, look at his wins. I'm like, no, no, that's because everything else but Jimmy G. You know, uh, the the throws he makes, I'm like, oh, that that checks. You know, at least he didn't throw his eyes closed this time, right? You know, the, the backhand throw against the Rams, you know, it's yeah. like the interception he threw in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs with his eyes closed. Like, he's going to do that. But not you, Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm used to my right. quarterback, like, we got to do whatever we can to take the ball out of his hands. But, All right, so let me ask you this, Terry. Let me ask you this. So, when y'all signed, when y'all made the trade with with the Patriots for Jimmy G, were you on the bandwagon with it, or you already figured out Jimmy G's game and what he was, and you knew what he was? I I I, I was not on the bandwagon, but I said, let me see, let me see what, let me see what can happen, right? And he was decent when he came, right? And that's during that Super Bowl run, the the NFC Championship game against the Packers, right? He only threw the ball eight times. Exactly. Now you can say that's because the, the the running game was so good, or you can say they don't want that dude throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And I believe Vinny, I was pretty honest. I was like, they don't want that dude throwing because even if you're quote unquote a game manager like Trent Dilfer, everybody goes back to Trent Dilfer and some other quarterbacks. If you're a quarterback, there's still about three or four throws every game you got to make. And my whole thing was, I don't know if if Garoppolo can do it. Because in the Super Bowl, in that first half, he had uh, a Kittle kind of wide open that would have at least set up a field goal going into halftime and missed it and missed it. And uh, when the Chiefs were down by 10 with six minutes left, there was a third down to Brandon Ayuk 
missed it, missed it. And you've got to, he's, you've got to make those plays. And, you know, he's a great guy. He's a good teammate. They seem to love him, but he can't make those plays for you. So there was always a cap on what the 49ers were going to be able to do because Jimmy G ain't that dude. Mm-hmm. Sorry to be a little long-winded, but Vinny will tell you, I've never been rah-rah okay. Jimmy G. I've been like, they went in in spite of that dude. Like going into Green Bay, having to get two block kicks. Because, I mean. <laughs> All special teams turns down. Let's say, now this, I've never seen this before, but okay. <laughs> well, well, that's what they had to do with Debo, right? They decided mm-hmm. or they figured out Debo is that dude. Mm-hmm. How do we get Debo the ball? Because mm-hmm. Jimmy G ain't going downfield to get it to Debo. Put Debo in the backfield. That's how that got – like, we got to get these dudes the ball, and Jimmy G can't do it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens next year. Hopefully Trey Lance with a full uh, offseason to get acclimated. But I can't be too upset. They started three and five. Uh, they yeah, had yeah. a quarterback that wasn't going to make plays. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Trey Lance early? I'm just, I'm, I'm just curious. What's your thoughts on him? I'm sorry, man. No, I, you know, again, I think uh, we got to see what he can do because he was splitting time. Uh, I, my whole thing was, look, we know what Jimmy G is. We should have seen some Trey Lance, I think, down the stretch a little bit. Now, uh, Garoppolo had that kind of fool's gold, that, that drive against the Rams in the regular season finale. But if you look at it, it's basically get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible and give it to your playmakers because mm. he's not that dude. So yeah. my whole thing was, it, you know, and once you start winning, it's hard to go to the backup guy because you're like, oh, okay, Jimmy G could maybe do enough. I'm like, no, that dude. I've been honest, right, Vinny? I've never told yeah. you that, yeah. that, that Garoppolo, I'm like, there's about three or four plays, balls. He's going to let your defense get one. If you can get it and do something with it like he did against the Cowboys, I was like, I – that's my Jimmy G. <laughs> like, there you go. I mean, you know, he's going to put one out there. And if you can capitalize on it, that's how you beat the, that's how you beat the Niners. And Mina comes, you know, when Jeff Garcia, we, we saw how that ended up and she was like, she just, that's all she had to tweet out. The little. Yeah. You know, and, and if Jimmy G was just mediocre. I think they'd be in the, they'd be in the Super Bowl right now. We wouldn't have backed into the playoffs if he was just mediocre or just average, I should say. If he was average, we'd be all right. But he just throws these interceptions that you're just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you seeing? I'm not an NFL quarterback, right? And with all respect to Jeff Garcia, but some of those throws, I'm like, what are you looking at? Like, we don't have a dude on that side of the field. Where are you going with the ball? At least with with, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you're kind of like, Oh, he's just done trying to do too much. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, no, that's who he is. This there, there ain't no what is you know, he's not trying to do too much. He's like, this is the best he can do. So <laughs> and I never thought of all 22 or nothing, but from the, the second half, Mahomes just started holding the ball. I know Cincinnati said they started disguising stuff, and I don't know if he just wasn't seeing the field well or what, but he he held it. He had time, or but maybe the guys weren't getting open, or he wasn't seeing the guys who were open. Then he's getting rushed. Then he's scrambling, and sometimes he's able to make the scrambles work. But then he took some sacks, and it's just like he—I he, don't know if the not getting points at the end of the first half messed with him, and then he just kind of got out of his rhythm, and he just couldn't get it back. But he was—it's like he just wasn't seeing the field like he normally does. 
And let me tell y'all something. I'm going to take y'all back to the our AFC championship game against the Titans. And that second half, we started running the football more. And he took the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and ran the football thing for about seven or eight minutes, like seven, or, seven eight or nine plays straight. Just ran the football with Damian Williams. I, I can't remember the other back who was back there with the Chiefs at the time. And just ran the football and kind of went away from – putting the hands in Patrick Mahomes, putting the game in his hands like that and letting them run the football on the defense. And I believe that's why I give I give 25% to Andy because sometimes as a coach, as a coordinator, you have to come together and be like, okay, how can I – my quarterback is struggling. He's not making the throws that, that he needs to make. He's throwing the ball too far by, behind Travis Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey, can, Kelsey probably – because he put his hands out there, Kelsey probably could have caught that ball. Tyreek may have – could have caught that ball, but it's still on the, on the other part of the quarterback to get the ball where it needs to get in places where it needs to be placed. And if I'm a coach, I'm like, okay, how can I get him to calm down? Let's do some screen classes. Let's uh, let, let's run to the left or to the right, you know, this way to, to keep our defense off the field because I know our strength is our offense and not our defense, and we need something to to psych up our and we need and we need to score a touchdown to at least give our, our defense like hyped up to, to be excited to get back on the field and not be tired. And like, Oh, here we go. We got to make a stop. Even though, you yeah. know, Tyron is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a, is a dog and, and, and Chris Jones is, is a monster. And, and, you know, you got the rookie Bolden and, and Frank Clark, you know, they get amped up. I mean, they'll make key plays, but it's not like a dominant defense, like the 49ers, the 49ers already know defense already know what time it is. Listen, the offense is limited. We got to go make plays. Yeah. Both and all that. We, we just got to go make plays. That's yeah. That's the, that's the, like, we, like, we, we got to do that. And it's interesting you bring that up, Al, because if you look at some of the best quarterbacks that, that get all of the, all the hype, even the great quarterbacks have a serviceable running game to, like you said, calm them down. I think that's one of the underrated things about the Brady. Uh, Belichick run in New England is they always had whether it was Kevin Falk or you know Corey Dillon the one year uh, or uh, James White you know the twenty eight to three like Brady would even in those big moments because I think if you go back to that Rams Super Bowl that first Super Bowl he won there were a couple of short screen passes a couple of runs in that last second drive so yeah. it's something that you can mix in. You know, my man, I'm a you know Joe Montana fan, but if you got Roger Craig back there, okay, let's kind of settle it down. Uh, even Super Bowl 23, uh, Vinny, when Jerry Rice was the MVP, 11 catches, 215 yards, and the touchdown. <laughs> you know that 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 drive against Cincinnati. There's a Roger Craig run in there. There's there's some short kind of things to kind of okay, because I think every quarterback is trying to do as much as he can as quickly as he can, but as it Again, I'm piggybacking on what you're saying. Al. The the coach has got to say, okay, we've got to space this out, even though it's a minute left or whatever it is. We got to do something to get this guy back on back on track. Mm-hmm. I said a lot of words just to, just to say I agree. I, I did. I no, that no, no. But, 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 <laughs> nothing wrong with it. It's good discussion, and you're giving history right now because I started studying actually the other night, randomly last weekend. I watched the the uh the I watched some of the full game of Super Bowl 24 between the 49ers and the Broncos because I wanted to see how the beatdown took place. Ooh. Oh yeah. 
And I, I was like, oh, this is how it went down. Because, you know, I was three years old, so I, I was still worried about DuckTales and and, um, <laughs> and and Lego blocks. And I'm, I'm playing around in, in, a, in a shoebox. So, you know, I really wasn't worried about that. But now I'm a grown man. You know, I want to, you know, I'm one of them historians of the game. You know, I want to see how, you know, like, the all, like the Pat Summerall, the John Madden, especially because I'm a John Madden, like, historian oh, of yeah. like, playing Madden. You know, I want to go back to what made John Madden so great. So, so this game popped up. So I'm watching it. I said, man, you know, they, they was talking about the Broncos and John Elway going to come up in there and just dominate and, and Dan Reeves with, with his nice suit on and, and his and his penny loafers on running out, out the tunnel. I said, Dan Reeves was looking fresh out here. Okay. Oh, know, yeah, 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 yeah. He always yeah. looked good. Yeah. Sure and I said, Damn. okay, we go. And they and they getting beat down on the old school carpet. That, that wasn't no that old <laughs> carpet. Like underneath is literally like ground. So you're yeah. really playing tackle football on the doggone cement ground. I said, how Ooh. the whole hell in the hell they they did this back then? My yeah. gosh, man. And, and the thing, you know, I remember that game. You know, I'm a diehard Niners fan. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice get the headlines, right? But during that run, Roger Craig was the first 1,000-yard receiver, 1,000-yard uh, runner in the same mm. season. Like wow. they they ran the ball with him and Rathman, and the 49ers played defense. You got Ronnie Lott on the back end of your defense. Them them some heavy hitters. That's how yeah. the that's how the 49ers dominated the decade of the 80s. Was yeah, if you got Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, of course your offense going to be pretty good. But you got to run the ball, and you got to play you got to play some some uh, vicious defense, and that's what they did. Absolutely. Yeah, they- and they had he had three touchdown catches in that game. So I'm like, well, why didn't Jerry? How did Jerry get get the MVP in 23 and not 24? Because I'm like, wait a minute, he had three and nice catches, nice touchdown. I mean, caught one in the end zone, got got pop, still got up and, and danced a little bit. <laughs> but, but but because what happened in in 23, the Bengals started triple covering it. If you ever mm-hmm. see that last play to John Taylor, you'll okay. see Rice yeah. go in motion. And the entire Cincinnati defense shifts <laughs> and leaves John Taylor kind of one on one because wow. Jerry, Jerry Jerry was that dude. After okay. like his seventh or eighth catch, they you know what what do we do? Because this dude is 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 cooking. Well, again, don't get me started about Jerry Rice. That's my dude. Video okay. tell you. All right, we gotta get strong next time for that, Al. We yeah, 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 yeah. I don't wanna, All right. I'll do a full three hours on Jerry Rice just off the top of my head. <laughs> so I'm not gonna do that. But uh yeah, Jerry, Jerry, my dude. Jerry's my dude. <laughs> yeah. Man, we can't thank you enough for hopping on, Al. Taking time out of your evening. Uh, yes, absolutely stay warm out there, but we appreciate you, you know, talking Jayhawks, talking Chiefs. Uh yes, real quick, man, what's what's coming out on the next episode of casual highlighting so right now i'm i want to talk about this, this this brian flores stuff and now this whole domino effect with, with with um with coaches and and i've been it's 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 a long time coming colin kaepernick told us what it was but we all went back to business as usual we got back to let, let the good times roll and um i'm going to touch on that so hopefully episode will be released the next 24 48 hours hey sounds good and is it is it alhigh.com where people can get the hats? Is that where they get the merch at? Right or? now, um, I, I'm I'm set I'm set the direct DMs. So so just hit okay. me up on, on Instagram, Al underscore high is my uh, personal Instagram, or hit me up on Facebook, Al High, and send me a DM. And I got a couple left. I'll send it fresh to you. I got a couple several hats left, and uh, we'll get you taken care of. 
Appreciate it, man. And, and you and this and this BS3 network with us on the Roku and the yes, podcast. Sir. So we appreciate you and uh definitely gotta get you on again, man, because we enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I like that cub stuff in your background, Terry. That's, that's one of that's one of my baseball team guy. Oh, the that's Cubs. that that's uh that's my, my lovely wife. She a diehard uh Cubs fan and uh and so we've we've done the Wrigley thing and everything. That's that's all her. Uh, but okay. yeah, I've got I've got jerseys and hats and yeah, I'm yeah, I have to I'll give you a shout out, let you see some of the stuff I got. Yeah. Okay. My, all my that. disposable income. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> <laughs> I try like to stay Al fresh. Said, like Al said, everybody got they wanted two things. One, so. two things right? I got I got my things. I got my yeah. things. But we appreciate you hopping on yes, with us. Man, thank y'all, Benny and Terry, for having me. Yes, all sir, right, man. man. Have a good one now. Stay warm, all man. Right. All right, I will. Y'all do the same. Appreciate you. Al High, casual highlight. And next time we have him on, I know he says he's big in aviation, so I have to ask him about how much flying he's doing or what, what all he's doing with that because that's, you know, everybody got that thing, and, and aviation is one of his things. So we'll get to that with him next time. But yeah, definitely enjoy I, it, Al being on here. I, I, I thought I was going to hop up and grab my Jacques Vaughn jersey from way back. You know, man, I, I enjoy this stuff, but I, I spend a lot of money on on on, on my on my gear, but. Yeah. I rock it all. I, I don't so much rock the Kansas and UCLA gear like I used to, but yeah, you know, just but you know, you know at least you're nice I, enough. You nice enough to get that, but you don't have to rock it just because you got it. Home and you gotta always rock it. And and it's oh, like I said, I got Jacques Vaughn for Kansas. I got Ed O'Bannon for UCLA. So it ain't new people. That's why I tell folks, Kentucky fans, you got that. Look, look, look. I'm always up front. I was not always a Kentucky fan. So you know. Anyway, but that was good to have Al on and and to, and to talk about it. And I, you know, I just think Patrick Mahomes is just trying to do too much. I think it's a point where you can be so good, you try to do too much. Mm. And mm. it's a situation, I hate it because it becomes a little trite, but you have to let the game come to you. Mm. And I think Patrick Mahomes is like, look, I can get this done, and he tries to do too much. And, and you know, you've got these weapons – and you don't have to do that, right? If you've got other weapons, it's not like, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was out there with these receivers they were signing off the streets, you know, for the Ravens. Like, let let Kelsey work. You know, let him get in the crease. You know, run the ball a little bit. I, I just think that you try to do too much as a quarterback, and it just leads to at least to bad things. Yeah, that's it. So we got our uh... – Got the second guest coming too. Is she on the way? Yeah, I should let me let me double let check. Me tell everybody about her because that's a, a heck of a get. Uh, get the knowledge dropping off that she's gonna bring. So, but yeah, appreciate Al hopping on. Uh, almost time for Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Is that on? SEC Network, yeah, SEC Network that's going to be on. And rematch with Vanderbilt should be uh, shouldn't be too much of a task to take care of business against them. You know, you don't come out flat and look ahead to Alabama. Yeah, wouldn't 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 think that uh, Vanderbilt because when when Kentucky was pushing. They were blowing the doors off Vanderbilt last time. That was at that ridiculous uh, arena that that Vanderbilt uh, that Vanderbilt has. So, um, 
Yeah, some breaking news. Some guys just coming off injury for Vanderbilt. Liam, somebody from a foot injury, so he gets to make his debut against Kentucky. So we'll, of course, Jerry Stackhouse is going to throw him out, but that's all right. They can they can do whatever they want to do. We should be fine. I see our guest in the green room, so I will let you introduce our TV, and we can get some more knowledge dropped on us here in a second. We've got Miss Sarah Sanchez is going to come on. We're going to talk about we're going to talk baseball. I got my Cubs. Got my Cubs stuff here because we're talking like a little bit of baseball. Uh, again, she's she's Cubs. Uh, the missus uh, is is deep into the Cubs uh, fandom. So we got Miss Sarah. We're gonna talk about uh, baseball and the recent Hall of Fame uh, vote. I guess not induction, but the vote. We're gonna talk about that because she wrote a great piece. I retweeted it, read it, loved it, agreed with it. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you uh, popping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always great to talk about a little bit of baseball in the offseason. Even though this offseason is a little bit uh, extended, but we won't yeah. we won't be. <laughs> but Vinny's okay. He's a, he's a, a Braves fan. So yeah. the longer this offseason goes, he gets to bask in that glow. The rain. We get extended rain. <laughs> as, as the First time since 95. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that well from 2016. They had the W flag flying the whole off season. It was outstanding. So enjoy that, every second. Oh, thank you. For sure. But uh, thank you for joining us. So I wanted to bring you on because I, I, I saw you talking about the Hall of Fame vote. We all saw that David Ortiz is going to be the first guy in two years to go into the Hall of Fame. So uh, again, I think I retweeted from the show cam, but we will definitely do that. And make sure uh, people read it. But when it comes to the Hall of Fame vote, kind of where are you on the people that vote for it, how it's done, kind of your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, let me just say the Red Sox are my second favorite team. I'm a huge David Ortiz fan, big poppy forever. He is one of my favorite players of all time. So everything I am about to say is not meant to diss David Ortiz. I think David Ortiz is great. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, maybe borderline as a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, you know, he's in there forever and they don't put the vote total on there. Nobody's going to care that he got in with <laughs> right. one of the lower vote totals in history. He's a first ballot yeah. Hall of Famer forever. But David Ortiz is not the fifth best player on the ballot for this year's Hall of Fame. And the fact that you have possibly one of the best, like the best baseball player of all time in Barry Bonds on this ballot falling off because of steroids. You have Alex Rodriguez, who, you know, in, in baseball stats, I'm going to be nerdy for one second. Like we talk about mm -hmm. this thing called war a lot, wins above replacement. In uh, wins above replacement turns, Alex Rodriguez, who is also on this ballot, is like worth two David Ortiz's. He has 113 mm. war over his career. David Ortiz has 51. Barry Bonds is worth like three David Ortiz's. He has 164 <laughs> war over his career. He's literally the second best player by wins above replacement ever. And he's off the ballot forever. This was his 10th time. It was his final time. They don't get a do-over there. He fell like 7% short and he's going to be 7% short forever. His next hope is that the Veterans Committee or the ERA Committee will vote him in at some point in time. And it's not just Bonds. Roger Clemens, the best pitcher by war ever, off the ballot forever. A player who is pretty comparable to David Ortiz, Sammy Sosa, who has 609 home runs over his career. David Ortiz, for reference, 541 home runs. 
Sammy Sosa, 609 home runs. That 98 home run chase might have saved baseball after the steroid or after the strike in 1994. He's off the ballot forever. Alex Rodriguez, one of the best baseball players. Like all of these guys are <laughs> on this ballot. And the voters only managed to put David Ortiz in. So, so we have a pretty big problem in terms of how people are interpreting this ballot, particularly when you consider that the man who was in charge for all of it, the commissioner of the game, Bud Selig, was put into the Hall of Fame in 2017. So how do you have the guy who oversaw the whole thing and did nothing for two collective bargaining agreements in the Hall of Fame while the men who were doing the work on the field who hold the records are not in there. I just think it's ridiculous. And, and and for me, I've long said that the Hall of Fame voting in most sports makes no sense because you've got the people that cover the game voting for the people that go in. And usually what happens is the guys that were the best interviews, that were the most jovial in the clubhouse, go from borderline to how did that guy get in and that guy didn't? You know, in the NFL, uh, Terrell Owens, he's second to Jerry Rice in just about everything. And it was, what, the second or third time I think he got in finally, Vinny? I don't know off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. It wasn't first. And then you see folks like in baseball, like, well, this guy was a great. He always had a good story. Well, that's not what this should be about. And, and that's been my issue with the Hall of Fame vote on top of the, the no one gets 100%. That was always that stuck in my crawl. Like if you covered baseball and you saw Willie Mays and you said he doesn't belong in, then you need to stop covering baseball. Like for, for me, Hall of Fame is it's it's yes or no. Right. Like you can get into the numbers. The numbers don't change. You know, I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I, I agree with with your entire article was at this point, 20 years later. Now we're going to start holding guys responsible when nobody did it, when we knew stuff wasn't on the up and up in 98. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, no, go ahead, Benny. Sorry. I was just going to say, I'm, you know, TB and I are the same age. I'm, I was, of course, a, a, a TBS kid. So in the 80s, the, the Braves were terrible. Dale Murphy, you know, you had the Cubs on WGN. My first Braves game was actually in Atlanta when they played the Cubs and, you know, Leon Durham and Lee Smith and Sean Dunstan, Sandberg and all those guys in a pretty much sparsely crowded <laughs> Fulton County Stadium. Oh, <laughs> uh, but four years later, I okay, guess so that was 85, 89, for whatever reason, my dad and I just, we just went to Cincinnati. I'm 12 years old. It was 1990. And it's Pirates and Reds in Riverfront Stadium. And skinny Barry Bonds went yard that day, and I've never forgot it. Somebody tried to sneak a fastball in. He turned on it, and right down the right field line it went. And, you know, we then saw the, the those Reds went on to win the World Series, and we saw the Pirates were a power there until he left for San Fran in 93. But, look, if if you're good enough, you're good enough. You're going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. We are – he. He had the game. Everybody knows that. But for the the writers to get on that high horse, you you articulately put it, eloquently put it in your piece, and then backed it up with mega mega stats and data. But it's just it just makes no no sense for for it to be that way. Well, you know, both of you make such a good point about 
who you who the writers like has way too much of a say here, right? Barry Bonds was not known to be a great interview. And frankly, he, if I were, what I remember from the 90s, I'm a Cubs girl from way back. I was watching WGN uh, in my parents' basement as long as I can remember. Uh, the, Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he took any steroids or any performance enhancing anything. It, it was clear, right? Like if you look at his numbers, that man was putting up rid ridiculous numbers in 92, in 93, in 94, long before any of this happened. And as far as I can tell, and admittedly, I, I don't know Barry Bonds, I've never talked to him, but here's my hunch. He watched the 1998 home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And he was like, this is ridiculous. Both of those dudes are cheating. I am better than both of them. Watch what I can do. We got salty. Like I would get salty too. You're the one of the greatest players that ever was, and you're watching these dudes get all the attention. Who would not and, do that? And and that has been my theory as well. Like I'm not excusing what Barry did or didn't do. I'm saying I don't think I am big enough to not do it. I saw I can't remember if it was that the that ESPN documentary on the chase, which as a Cubs, you know, fan was not oh, great. Oh. It was awful. But I just remember this clip, and I don't remember I saw it, where they're doing the home run chase in 98. And, like, Barry Bonds became the only member of the 400-400 club in 1998, and nobody cared. Mm -hmm. My thing is, if you're Barry Bonds, right, you've grown up with your dad, Bobby, and, and Willie Mays, and you know what they went through, that first wave of African-American players. You know what they went through. You are doing stuff that no one has ever seen, and you got those guys – that have become the face of the sport. I, I like to think that maybe I was strong enough to not do that. But if you're Barry Bonds, he's like, okay, all right, you want to see something? Here you go. And, and we knew it was wrong at the time, but we enjoyed the home run chase. We enjoyed all of that. And now 20 years later, everybody, all the managers, all the major league baseball officials get to reap these rewards and we're leaving these players out to drop. Well, it's also ahistorical. Like, let's be very clear. It's, it's not like the steroid era is the only time in baseball history where there were questionable things going on in the sport, right? You had people taking greenies and like amphetamines and whatnot because they were trying to get through a 160-game season in the 60s and 70s. God knows what shenanigans were going on prior to that. The, the league was segregated for so long. Like there's mm -hmm. whole generations of players that are in the Hall of Fame who never had to have their skills tested against some of the best players in the sport, right? Like you never stepped into the box against Satchel Page. We don't actually know how you did against the best pitching in your day, right? Like there, there are mm -hmm. so many things with people who are already in the Hall that these were not perfect men, right? There are, and, right. and let's be clear, they're almost all men. These are not right. perfect yep. men. They all have asterisks on them. So let's just tell the story of the game that needs to be told. It is frankly absurd that the all-time hits leader, the all-time home run leader are not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like neither one of them is there. It, and right. yeah, it, it, with, with the Hall of Fame, what are you attempting to do? Are you, and for me, it's, are you telling the story of your sport? And I think you can let those folks in and tell the full story. Like, there's no reason just to put them in and pretend all these guys were saints. Tell the whole story. That's right. my only complaint. Mickey Mantle, I mean, he wasn't maybe, you know, but his 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 nightlife, his off-the-field life gets – it's almost glamorized. Oh, and, yeah. you know, then he's 
in his later years, if I know I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. Well, you, you ran yourself into the ground when you weren't playing the games. It, it, but the thing about baseball, it does a pretty good job of really ignoring those glaring omissions, right? Uh, I forget who it was on a follow on Twitter. It was like, baseball loves to tell you that Jackie Robinson played there, but they give no context on why there was a color barrier what really he had to put up with. Like, they're just like, remember Jackie Robinson used to play here. And that's all the context that you get when it comes for baseball and they can do uh, so much better. One question I got for you, Sarah, I'm put you on the spot. Okay. Manfred is out. Sarah Sanchez is now the commissioner of baseball. Give us like a three point plan on what you would do to return baseball to America's pastime. Uh, there's three things, uh, three point plan. I got three things. Uh, the first thing I would do is all of these owners who absolutely abuse their minor league talent by not paying them a living wage by the, the shenanigans that they pull with international signings. I mean, a lot of these kids are 15, 16 years old. They're functionally being trafficked into major league organizations. It is, it is ugly. That part of the sport is, is not pretty. And these, these kids are, put into, you know, low A situations, rookie situations where they make no money. They don't know anyone in this country potentially, and they have to perform, right? Like they, they have to perform to get a shot at their dream. And they've got like a maybe 10% shot to make it out of that situation into the big leagues that it is criminal that this country passed a law called the defending our nation's pastime act that allows billionaires who own these teams to not pay minor league talent. So the first thing that would happen is that would be gone. Minor leaguers would make a living wage and they would probably get some sort of housing allowance or something because even with a living wage in some of the places they have to pay, play and some of the places they have to pay taxes, they they are, it, it's a tough sport. It's a tough way to make a living. And I think we should recognize that and treat them like human beings who are doing a job that we all love and care about. The second thing I would do is figure out some way to end the egregious blackout map. If you're a fan of the sport and you have ever tried to watch yeah. your favorite team play when you're within like a 500 mile radius of their opponent or something like that, I've got a little story here because I think that this is illustrative, you know. A couple of years ago for work, I went to Montgomery, Alabama for a work event. And while I was there, the Cubs were playing the Braves. Montgomery, Alabama is not that close to Atlanta. It's like, but it's within the blackout map. And the place where we were staying didn't actually get the regional sports network that carries the Braves. It is bananas that if you are a kid living in Montgomery, you can't watch the Braves regularly because you're blacked out and you don't get the TV station. That's that's asinine. Like, you want to grow the next generation of fans? Let them watch Ronald Acuna Jr. Let them watch Ozzy Albies. Let them watch Freddie Freeman. The fact that these kids can't even watch the team that they should be most affiliated with is absurd. And it's, frankly, I, I understand. I've read a lot about the RSN stuff and the contracts and the airwaves and this and that, and it's complicated. I think a commissioner worth their salt would get that done and they would get it done tomorrow. <laughs> Let yeah. people watch the games of the teams they care about. And then the yeah, last thing that I... We can't oh, get the ahead. Cubs here and we're the AAA affiliate. Like, it, it's it's bizarre. Like, the I-Cubs are two blocks away or whatever, but we can't get the, the big Cubs. But I, I agree with you. Sorry to interrupt your, oh, no, your stuff speech good. here. <laughs> Iowa, I, Iowa is like... Speak. 
Iowa is like. Iowa is like. <laughs> no, no, you go, you go. I'm sorry, I keep talking. Benny, let, let the guests go. We, we talk all the time. I was, I was just, I was kept trying to tell you, let the commissioner speak, and then I kept. I'm sorry. Talking. Yeah. All right. We good. Go, 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 Sarah. Look. No, I, I, I would love to be commissioner of baseball more than anything in the world, pretty much. Um, one of the most bananas things about that map is Iowa, the entire state of Iowa. I think, I think you all are blocked out from seven or eight teams, which means. On any given day, you're not watching more than half the league. Like, you're not watching 16 different teams play if you happen to live in Iowa. It is ridiculous. They have the Field of Dreams game in Iowa. I'm like, how about you just let Iowans watch baseball? Don't put the yeah, Field that, of Dreams game there. Just, like, let that, them watch whatever team. They, there's no that's, team That's been our Iowa. thing. Yeah, the, the Cubs, the Twins, the Cardinals, like, everybody relatively close. Like. Yeah, White we can't Sox, watch any games. Brewers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 terrible. All right, all right. Point and, three, and we're going to be quiet. Yeah, the last thing, I think that baseball needs a vice president of education. And I'm going to show my hand here a little bit. I'm a former teacher, spent seven years teaching high school and debate. Um, but I think that we don't do a good job teaching people this game. And unless you played it, unless you played Little League or softball, and I will admit, Baseball does a really good job trying to get kids to play the game, right? They have their let's play initiatives and those are great. But if you didn't play, if you're a kid like me who grew up in a place where you were told girls don't play baseball, uh, I got real lucky. I My dad and mom knew I loved the sport. They took an interest in making sure I knew how to keep score. I did some PA announcing when I was little. I like did the handheld scoreboard and I kept the scorebook and I ran stats and I did all the things you would expect a nerdy baseball kid to do when they were growing up. But there are so many kids who don't have that opportunity. And when they, when you go to a game, if you're going to your first game ever, you should get a free scorecard in any ballpark in the country. Some seven-year-old walks in, they should get a free scorecard, a simple one with like some simple instructions on how to keep score for the game. And if you even tried, if you even got like a couple of plays right for an inning, you should be able to turn that into some office in the ballpark and say, hey, I get a sticker. I get a hat. I get a thing that like shows I paid attention to the game for five minutes. I Every year when I go to Cubs games, I keep score still to this day. And kids ask me about it all the time. And that inning that I spend talking to them about, hey, that's a double play. The shortstop is labeled six on the field. The catcher is labeled two. Here's how you write that down. Those kids walk out knowing so much more about baseball than they came in knowing. And that's what we need. We need a generation of people who know the sport well enough to care about it. And I don't think we do a good job teaching kids to do that anymore. Here's my question. And, you know, you just laid out your three points. If you were the commissioner and just talked about the absurdities with the Hall of Fame voting, uh, the blackouts and how crazy that is. Should any of this really surprise us when we're talking about a league where it was an act of Congress to get netting down the right field and left field line when people kept getting plunked with bats that got accidentally, you know, flung out of hands and foul balls. It was an act of Congress to even get that in the stadium so should any of this really if we're being honest surprise us that it was a struggle to get some some nets because it was like, oh we can't see it and you still can see the game and protect people but it was it was like pulling teeth to get that done it, it shouldn't surprise us but the reason it shouldn't surprise us is because baseball is 
run by the most conservative forces that you can imagine, right? Like it's a it's a white male billionaires club down the line. And and you know, no, no shade to white male billionaires. I'm sure they're doing just fine, but they they don't want there to be change. I, I look at the current collective bargaining agreement negotiations and you sort of see the players like, hey, we're willing to give on this, we're willing to give on that. And the owners come back with the exact same offer they had a week ago, two weeks ago, six weeks ago. They they know that they don't have to change any, this society never makes them change anything. So why should they have to change something to get their players to play? You know, you bring up the netting. The thing that has driven me crazy about the netting arguments for the last five or six years as they've been going on is that part of the reason that those that people kept getting hit by foul balls or by bats or bat pieces or those types of things is because they moved the stands in closer because they can charge a lot of money for seats in what used to be foul territory. You didn't see those types of injuries in the 70s because there used to be foul territory there in those stadiums. There were a lot, a lot bigger space and a bigger gap between where the fans were sitting and where the action was occurring. There is no way that the average fan sitting where they are right now, which is functionally where like a third baseman would have played or a first baseman would have played, have the reflexes to consistently catch or duck or evade a bat, a ball coming off a bat 110 miles per hour. They, they don't. They're not professional athletes. Very few people in the world can do that. But owners made a calculus that like those seats will cost a lot of money and we would like to sell them and whatever injuries occur there, we'll just figure it out. I mean, that's a that's atrocious to me. And it's the same way to a lesser extent with like uh, the NBA court. If you look at the games now versus like when we were coming up, fans are right on top of the court. They're at the scorers table. And so it's it's the same thing. They know they can charge for this real estate and they're not going to give it up. That's the, that's the, the thing also with the owners, they're always poor. Even though when teams go for sale, there's always a line to spend a billion dollars to get them, but the owners are always crying poor. And as far as the conservativeness, not to pick on conservatives, but baseball has just been slower to change than any of the major sports. I tweet all the time. There's a reason baseball used to be America's pastime because they do very little to engage, as you're saying, sir, the, the young people. And they and, and Vinny and I have talked about it before. All these rule changes, the man on second base for extra innings and blah, 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 blah. Why are you fundamentally changing your game? Who is that for? Your diehards aren't going to buy into it. And is that really going to get somebody that wasn't a baseball fan to join in? Like, what, what are... The people running baseball don't seem to like baseball very much. 100%. I'm with you. I mean, the smartest thing that I saw done in a base for a baseball team in the last few years, and, and there's going to be a catch here because it was the Orioles who I think have had like four or 500 lost seasons in a row. I mean, the Orioles have not been very good for a while. But a couple of years ago, before the pandemic in 2019, they made the calculus that they needed to get young people to the ballpark and they weren't selling out Camden Yards anyway. So they created basically a family night where a family of four could go to the ballpark, get a hot dog, a drink, and a ticket, I believe, for $20 for a family of four. That's a great deal. That gets some kids in the ballpark. $20 is an affordable family night out that people can go enjoy. But you know who's not doing that? 
any team that has won recently, right? Like the Braves aren't going to do that next year. They don't have to. They're going to sell out their park without having those types of ticket deals. Like the, mm -hmm. the White Sox have a similar type of ticket deal and they have an asterisk on it that it is not valid for Cubs games because they know they can sell out that park for Cubs games without having to try to bring in the kids. I mean, don't put an asterisk on your deal. Let the kids see the most exciting stuff, right? Like let people enjoy your sport. And as long as billionaires are just looking at profit margins, they don't really have that big of an incentive to just bring in the kids and hope that they fall in love with the game, which is short-sighted in my opinion. Yeah, or put the put games on when kids can watch. When your first pitch of the World Series is 8:35 Eastern, who, what kids are going to watch that game? Yeah. And, and so I think I, I saw where baseball has like the oldest fans of any of the pro sports. And it's one of those things like you can make this money now, but what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen down the line? Like the current owners may not care, but the commissioner you would hope would have a little bit of like uh, uh long-term planning. Like we've got to make this palatable. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, the NFL has been really good about, you know, reaching out to the youth and the NBA, but baseball's like, hey, we'll, we'll be fine. Well, maybe, but, you know, I, I know that people, the Super Bowl still means something, right? But does the World Series mean like it as much as it used to? I mean, I know, Vinny, you're glad your team won. I'm happy for you. But if I had to name the last five teams to win the World Series, could could I do it? Obviously, you know, obviously the Cubs, because I'm going to say that because yeah. the Mystics is in the other room. I'm going to say Cubs, but, you know, I, I think I saw something about Kansas City. I'm like, oh, yeah, Kansas City won a couple of years. Like, oh, yeah. So Giants, baseball, they won them, you know, throw the Giants in there because they won some, you know. But yeah. yeah. Giants but last you, one in 2014, right? Am I right about that? Was that, they went 10, 12, 14? Was that they went yeah. every even and then year? the Cubs stopped their even year magic in 16 in the NLDS. It was great stuff. Right. So I just think there's this gap of baseball that like again, it used to be the pastime, you know, the 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 home run. The thing about I like about baseball, and I apologize, I'm rambling, but the numbers used to mean something. 714 meant something. And even if you weren't a baseball fan, you knew what 714 meant. Or you knew. Hey, Pete Rose is, you know, 4,000, whatever, whatever. Even going so, yeah, even going to, to Kyle Ripken Jr., you kind of knew what the, but nobody knows these numbers. And I don't know if it's, or something. yeah, you know, uh, can the average person point Mike Trout out of a lineup? You know, Great. and is that the fault of baseball or is that, but it, 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 I think it's baseball because a lot of these people, nobody knows unless you are following it day in, day out. And that's a failure of, of of baseball because in the NBA, I know a bunch of bench dudes that don't even play, you know. But it, you're looking at the All Star team, like I don't know who this guy is. So mm -hmm. uh, baseball does a bad job of marketing itself. It doesn't it doesn't encourage there to be fans along those or encourage players to be that guy who's like out there shining all of the time. It doesn't want there to be showy people. I mean, look what happens, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is out there. He's hitting bombs. He's incredible. He's super fun to watch. He's a human highlight reel. And he flips his bat because he hits a grand slam when he was supposed to take a pitch and he gets in trouble for it. 
Like his manager goes out in the post game after the kid has hit a grand slam for his second home run of the game. And his own manager says, yeah, I'm going to have a talking with him about that. Yeah. You're going to have a talking with him about hitting a grand slam. I think he did his job. You should be, you should be rewarding him. Kids all over the country want to be Fernando Tatis right now. What are you doing? The, the, the unwritten rules uh, of, of, of baseball have been a hindrance uh, you know, because I think the 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 Caribbean guys and and, and folks that look like myself, you're yeah. gonna bring a little bit of extra. Look, that's that's a struggle too. We've been talking about that forever. Right. It's it's not a disrespect, but if I hit a ball as big as my fist that you're throwing 90 miles an hour, it's spinning and it's moving in three dimensions, and I take a stick and I hit it 500 feet. I'm gonna tell you about it. I'm just gonna let you. You, you got, and and that's okay. Conversely, if you you I throw it and you miss it, I'm gonna tell you about it. I don't see what the big deal is about respect the game and all this kind of stuff. But you know, oh. and that's that goes back to the conservative, the the whole nature of the nucleus of the game that Sarah talked about. It's conservative, is white, is rich with the little golf mentality to it. You know, and and. How dare you express yourself? How dare you have a little a little flair, a little flavor? Well, little well, Jose well, Lima, you can't do yeah. that. No, no. Well, 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 Mickey Mantle ran the bases like that. Well, look, come on. That was 60 years ago. Like, what are we doing? Like, I, I understand showing up being obnoxious, but come on, man. Like, let's have a little bit of fun. Honestly, the sport is more fun when the players are out there flipping their bats and having a little bit of interaction. And like you said, like if you strike the guy out next time, you can do your little celebration on the mound. It'll be great. I just, I find that the unwritten rules of baseball only get applied one way. They get applied mm -hmm. against really exciting young players who are black and brown. And they, they don't really yeah. get applied to the white guys on the mound or the people who are, you know, like I, I'm not going to name names, but they're my, well, I will name names on this point. My favorite player in, on the planet is Wilson Contreras. And Wilson Contreras plays the game with his heart on his sleeve and his hair on fire. Like, literally, he wore Venezuelan flag arm sleeves for about six months until MLB told him he couldn't because apparently you're not allowed to wear flags or something. So they, like, took away his Venezuelan arm sleeves. But, you know, he's out there. He's flipping bats. He's He's big, he's bold, he's doing his thing. He comes around third base for every home run like this. Like, I am here, I am celebrating, and I am grateful to be here. And that is fun. That is how the game is played in the Dominican Republic. That is how the game is played in Puerto Rico. That is how the game is played in Mexico. It's how the game is played in Venezuela. And that is where the game is growing, right? Like, you go to a game in Japan or Korea there are bands and there are there are cheerleaders and there are people yeah. out there doing it big and bold. It is not the American like put your head down and act like you've been there before sport, and it shouldn't be. I listened to a well the podcast. Oh, y'all might be familiar with the Slar Brothers, the twins, the comedians. They had the mm -hmm. cheap seats show back on ESPN Classic back in the day, but they were and they're big baseball guys. Unfortunately for y'all, they're they're Cardinals fans because they're from St. Louis. So I mean that's a dirty word here among us three, but. Oh, uh, they always reference the time that they were. I don't know if they were in the airport fixing to go do a show somewhere, but they they looked up at the TV. It was the World Baseball Classic was on, and they look up and then they see all this celebrating and everything going on. Costa Rica's playing, I think, the U.S. And they said, "Oh man, Costa Rica must have walked us off." But no, Costa Rica just manufactured a run in the fourth inning, and they scored a run. 
and it was mayhem and bedlam and jubilation because they scored said run. Not the stoic button down, you know, choke the life out of everything. They scored a run. They were happy. They jumped over the dugout. They were congratulating the person that just scored. And it was fun. God forbid. It was fun. Here's the nicest thing I can say about the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and it's even about probably my least favorite Cardinal, Yadi Molina. Um, in the World Baseball Classic, when he was playing for Puerto Rico, that was one of the most fun teams I've ever seen in my entire life. And Yadi's out there, like, celebrating everything the same way all of his teammates are. And, and you know, if I told you, I honestly would not have believed it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. Yadi was out there celebrating as much as Javi Baez. And there's nothing more fun. Then Yachty to Javi, they're tagging guys out, they're celebrating, they're flipping stuff. I believe, if I remember correctly, that was the year there was a hair uh, bleach shortage in Puerto Rico because the entire Puerto Rican World Baseball Classic team dyed their hair blonde. And you could not find bleach in Puerto Rico to dye your hair because it was sold out because everybody wanted to look <laughs> like Yachty and Javi. <laughs> That's what baseball should be. That's that's the nation's pastime. You got to embrace that or your or your sport is just going to die. Yep. Absolutely. So how would I know to go back to a negative uh, point? How are you feeling about this deal getting done and games being missed? And because and, we got to think about the poor owners when we have these discussions, right? Pity the poor billionaires, right? I wish I was as poor as some of these billionaires. Um, so I, I'm going to be candid. My, my birthday is February 26th. I almost never get baseball for my birthday. I was supposed to have it this year, and I'm not. It doesn't look like I'm going to have it today. This year was supposed to be the first spring training games were supposed to start on February 26th. does not look like that's going to happen. But I am optimistic they won't miss the regular season starting on time. I think that the pressure of spring training ticking away is going to finally light a fire under getting a deal done here. What I worry about though, I almost feel like fans shouldn't want there to be a deal quickly. And here's why. The the players have lost ground the last two collective bargaining cycles. And if you are a close watcher of baseball, the way this plays out is the free agent markets have been really, really slow. And they were slow in 2017, they were slow in 2018, they were slow in 2019. This last offseason was actually an exception, but I think it was an exception that was self-serving for the owner's purposes. Like they threw out a bunch of money out there so they could go to the collective bargaining agreement and be like, look, we're spending money. Like, what's your problem? Like we spent, we spent all this money right here. It's fine. And it's not fine. So there need to be changes because at this moment in time, the revenues for MLB owners keep going up and the player share of them keeps going down. So they used to make like, 53% of the revenue used to go back to player salaries. It's down to like 46%. The players are losing money <laughs> relative to the overall baseball pot these days. And Owner this is inflation. their Correct, yeah. This is their chance to get it back, right? Like this is their chance to reset the scales. And some of the things they're fighting for are really good things. Like they're fighting for a higher minimum wage for players. Over half of the league makes the minimum wage. They've made the same minimum wage. Of, and look, it's a lot of money. $575,000 is way more than I make. It's way more than I'll ever make. But when the owners come in with an offer to bump that to 610, and it's not, it's, it's literally a decrease in the rate that it would have been before when you look at the cost of living, that is atrocious. You don't ask people to take 
a real cut in pay when half your league makes the league minimum. And and the one thing when all these leagues have their collective bargaining, I will never understand the fans that side with the players. I well, look how greedy they are. Like, what about the people signing the checks? You have to look at that. And when yeah. you've got the Ricketts family in Chicago crying poverty, that is offensive. Like, we can talk about should they sign this person? And, you know, we had a moment of silence when, when everybody got traded within, like, 12 hours over the summer uh, from the 16 Cubs. But, okay, does it make sense to move forward? Okay, I'll buy that. But don't cry poverty when we know what your well, we assume we know what your balance sheets look like. But it happens in every league. My Lakers, I'm a beloved Lakers fan on Los Angeles. They tried crying poverty, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That is just offensive to me because again, you're smart business people. That's how you get the billions to buy a team. If they were money sinks, people wouldn't line up to buy these teams. That's that's the thing. And what offends me, and I know you're a Cubs fan, we'll get your little two cents on this. If you are a fan of one of these marquee teams, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, my Lakers, Vinny's Cowboys, you almost don't have to be good to still make money because people are still going to go to Wrigley. They're still going to buy, you know, merchandise, right? They're still going to be there and you don't really have to try to win which is kind of what the Cubs did for a long time. Like we can, we can cash these checks, but we ain't got to pretend to win. That's what bothers me. If you're a fan of one of those marquee franchises. Oh, I, I could not agree with you more. I am also a Cowboys fan. So Vinny, good, go Dallas. I, one of these, one of these days, they are going to actually like employ a team that can get past the first round of the playoffs again. And it'll be great. Um, And uh, all of America will hate us again. I'll yes, explain we, to you right. how the, the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl works, Vinny, if you have any questions about that. There's a game at the end of the season that you get to play. It. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, the, <laughs> I'm about the, I'm about the mutants there. When, when it comes to sports there, we only agree on Kentucky basketball, but everything else, we are we are Niners and Cowboys. We're Rockets and Lakers. He's, he's Braves. I'm Cubs by marriage, even though – I think you can still – I'm still an Expos guy at heart. So when you bring up 94, it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, for real. I mean, the Lakers are a great example. Like, the Lakers are what? They have to be one of the five most lucrative franchises in the world, right? Yes. Like, the yes. Lakers – the like, these are – these people print money. Like, they yes. – yeah. so <laughs> nobody has ever – nobody has ever lost money on a baseball team. Whatever they bought it for – they sold it for a profit every yeah. single time. The, that yeah. money just goes up. And I remember a few years ago, uh, Splinter News did a FOIA request and, and managed to get their hands on the like the PowerPoints and the emails and a whole bunch of other stuff that the Ricketts family had from their time when they went to purchase the Cubs. Those, those emails are incredible, by the way, like the back and forth that they have of family politics and like apparently like uh, the patriarch of the family like really does send out the same wild emails that everybody's crazy uncle is sending out. And like, it's, it's, it's <laughs> worth going back to the splinter news dumps if you've never gone through them. Um, but the thing that stood out to me in those, in the PowerPoint, when they're like trying to decide, ah, oh, should we buy the team? Should we not? Like 
we'd need some extra financing and we need some more investors. How would we convince them to do that? It literally says you will not lose money on this venture. Like this, this thing that you're about to buy for $600 million, $700 million is going to be worth $3 billion <laughs> and yeah. you will make so much money with this brand period. Like it, it, whenever you decide to turn it over, you will make money on it. Now, is it possible that they, I don't know, overextended themselves a little bit with the renovation? Yeah, that's possible. Like I, I'm sure there's a cash flow thing there or something, but I've never been worried about the money that the family that owned TD Ameritrade has. <laughs> like I, I, I think they're gonna be fine. Like, and if they're not fine, I think they can go to the DeVos family and get a loan or something. I don't know. I'm sure that's how <laughs> the, it works. The game was given up for me when pro sports, when uh, the NBA made Donald Sterling sell the Clippers and the Clippers sold for a billion dollars and they've been abjectly terrible all of my adult life. And I'm like, they weren't even trying to win. Like, and they're making that kind of money. Like, okay, that's a wrap. That's that, that's a wrap. So, uh, but we don't want to keep you too long, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our folks find all of your writings and, and things, things like that? Where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Yeah, so thank you for having me. This has been great. Always happy to talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, my handle is in my name here. It's at BCB underscore Sarah. There's no H on the Sarah. I share all of my writing and podcasting stuff there. Uh, my writing these days is at bleedcubbyblue.com, which, as you can guess, is a Cubs community. I'm also the co-host of their podcast, which is called Cup of Cubby Blue. We have weekly episodes in the off season. Uh, during the season, we do like a series by series. Oh. Oh, I don't know what just happened. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. It, it's 2022. That's okay. Are you there? Yeah. I, I think so. Can you hear me? Yes, <laughs> we can hear you. Uh huh. And I, I think I was just saying where you can find my stuff. So I'll do the short version at BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter. I retweet everything there. Writing is at bleedcubbyblue.com. And I am also the host of their pod, the co host of their podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. Cup of Cubby Blue. Cool. Yeah. Well, get you get you a shot of Malort and uh, relax the rest. <laughs> Woo, I had some my first trip to Wrigley and uh yeah. So but thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We hope to have you back on once the baseball season uh kicks back. But we had to get your thoughts because you wrote a great, great piece about the Hall of Fame. We'll be sure to get that back out to folks. Thanks again for taking the time to join us and talking a little bit of baseball as we keep our fingers crossed on uh uh, the billionaires and billionaires agree on how to split up the billions. So thank you so much, Sarah. You have a good uh, rest of your evening. Yeah, Appreciate you too. Thanks for having Sarah. me. Bye. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, man. Good stuff with Sarah. Appreciate you having her on. Well, you know, uh, the missus is is big into the, the Cubs world, so that's how our paths cross. But basically she wrote, as you said, in great detail, my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. I, I think it's Writers, look, if you want to say you're not voting for Barry Bonds, fine. If you covered baseball like a lot of these folks did in 98, 99, 2000, then you need to have a mea culpa and say, look, I was wrong because I looked the other way. Right. And 
and and some of these guys aren't having that conversation. It and it's really unfair to make the writers hold the bag. Like baseball made all that money, teams made all that money, the managers enjoyed all that success, but putting it all onto these couple of guys, I think, is just rather unfortunate. So, uh, again, glad to have uh, had Sarah on. Uh, we know the Cub, the Cubs game. Woo! The Cats <laughs> game. I've, I've got 34-22 on my ESPN app. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but the, uh, the, yeah. the, the Cats are taking care of business, so mm-hmm. that is uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Three minutes left until halftime. I've popped it on up here. I moved to the office and just – peaked at it a little bit while we were having the guest on. But it was a typical, you know, look, Cal says it. Fans don't want to believe it, but they are not machines. And so, you know, it was a little bit of a sluggish start. But if, as sluggish as they were, they, here they are pulling away and up yeah. double figures going into the break. So Yeah, you'll take it. Uh, but to, to rehash some stuff, as a 49ers fan, like I told you, I think we've talked for years and years uh, on this show as we've been doing it for a while. I, I've been kind of down on the 49ers, you know, but five NFC championship games in the last 11 season, it's pretty good. It was two Super Bowls. Uh, I, I I couldn't be disappointed this year. They started three and five and were kind of dead in the water, but they turned it around. Uh, I, so I can't be disappointed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, without like, if you're a Chiefs fan, you've got a head, you've got to scratch your head of what Patrick Mahomes is doing, what, what you know, what he did in that second half and overtime. But as a 49ers fan, and most 49ers fans that I interact with, Jimmy G's a great guy, but you you knew what he was going in. Mm-hmm. You know, when you looked at the Final Four this past weekend, Stafford, Burrow, Mahomes, Jimmy G was the other guy, right? And, and as a Niners fan, you just kind of hope that we could do enough to overcome that. That was always the thing. So hopefully next year, uh, Trey Lance, he gets the ball. He can come out and ball out. Uh, but I'm disappointed, you know. He, he got Shanahan uh, to teach him, so he got to put the – Yeah. Shanahan going to earn his money with this it, young fella to see if he can get him up to speed with a good running game and good defense already. The quarterback is a missing piece. Can you, can you put Trey in there and get him – and, and, and as I've as, as I've said, uh, the Niners, I know the, the championship window doesn't stay open forever, but looking ahead to the NFC next year with Brady gone, and you know, we gotta give uh the you know, Brady his due. I'm not gonna call him old man because he's only two days older than I am, but with Brady gone, with Green Bay having a retool, with Sean Payton out at New Orleans, as a 49ers fan. I still feel encouraged because yeah, we just lost to the Rams, but we had beaten them like six straight times. So sure. as a 49ers fan, if we can upgrade quarterback play, okay. I feel pretty good about at least going into next year. Uh, but while we're here, you know, tip your hat to Tom Brady, a great, great mm-hmm. career. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to do like, I, I think the, uh, the giants, did a release, or maybe it wasn't the Giants specifically, but some New York paper, you know, man that loses two Super Bowls to the Giants, you know, retires. Uh, New York Philly, Post stuff, man. That's... 
Yeah, Philadelphia, you know, man that dropped a pass in Super Bowl, whatever it was, against the Eagles, uh, <laughs> finally retires or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, give Brady his due. Uh, seven Super Bowls, you know, seven and three is a pretty good is a pretty good record mm-hmm. uh, in the Super Bowl. So, uh, I mean, I was never uh, the biggest Brady fan, but the numbers are what they are. So, typically. Uh, you you got to hate to be Big Ben because Big Ben <laughs> retired and then, you know, he's going to get overshadowed. Now, they don't love people, him like that anyway. They don't love him like that. He wasn't getting that fanfare anyway. You yeah. Know, they don't love him like that. <laughs> a, a lot of people were, are saying, you know, when it comes to Canton, you know, it's going to be all about Brady. Nah, man. Steelers fans roll deep. They oh, roll yeah. deep. Steelers yeah. fans roll deep when Dick LeBeau was their offensive coordinator went in or defensive coordinator went yeah. in as a player for the lions. And I'm like, why are these? That's when I went, it was, <laughs> it was Cowboys fans and Niners fans. It was the same year that Jerry and Emmett went in. I'm like, why are these Steelers here? Because they just had Dick LeBeau and the lions. I'm like, what? Is, oh, they rolled deep. So it's going to be interesting in, mm-hmm. in, in five years uh, yeah. for, for that. Uh, you know, uh, and, never, and- you know, Honestly, I've never I was never a big Big Ben fan, never a big no, Brady fan, no. but you know, good 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 for them. Yeah. Um, and Ben to me didn't get a lot of fanfare with his retirement, but you're right. Come that Saturday night in Canton, he will they'll roll deep, they'll be there. But it was just kind of and to me when he retired, Brady of course got a lot more headlines even though it was leaked and then it wasn't and his dad was like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" and all that stuff. But he still got a lot more than Ben. But five years from now, Ben's going to get his. Whatever he but didn't get this past few weeks, he'll get it then. The difference was Ben hasn't been good for a long time. Yeah. Like he hasn't been close to elite for a long time. At least and – the, and the Steelers, although they made the playoffs, really haven't been relevant in a long time. That's the oh, difference. Uh-huh. You know, Brady's last pass was that touchdown. You know, yep. so uh, <laughs> that's that's the difference. I, honestly, you know, I, I'm going back a little ways now, but when Jerry Rice retired, it was kind of like, because he retired in Denver Broncos training camp. Like that's mm-hmm. not how a legend should go out. But mm-hmm. uh, any, anyway, not to, you know, I'm, I'm always going to bring stuff back to Jerry Rice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you tip your hat to, to Tom Brady. Uh, I think it was Bleacher Report. Is Brady the greatest athlete of all time? No, no. He's the oh. best quarter, best quarterback, yeah, but we have this narrow view on what an athlete is. For oh. me, if you're talking about North American sports, it starts and ends with Bo Jackson. And I also I, I read something about Dion and forgetting how good Dion was at a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, even uh, Charlie Ward, like those dudes, like, and I'm still I've got to be like your dad. Still got to put Jim Brown in there. Brady is not the greatest football player ever. I heard people trying to say that. Greatest no. quarterback, yes. Greatest football player, no. 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 <laughs> and I saw a graphic where they, they broke up Brady's career into like three different sections. In this section, he's got more passing yards than this Hall of Famer. And in this section, he's got more touchdowns than this Hall of Famer. And th- you know, that's great. Yeah, I mean, but, you can do that with Jerry Rice too. So I, but, I can. But that there's only two guys you can really do that to, and it's Rice, and it's Brady. Yeah, because yeah. all the people that try to say that Jerry Rice was a compiler, 
within the first his first nine seasons, he had everything more than Randy Moss. People forget, you know, he was a rookie in '85, and by the 1994 season, he had already scored more touchdowns than anybody else in NFL history mm-hmm. in nine seasons. So, and then if you look at from 2000, not 2000, I'm sorry, from 95 going forward, because the 95 season was his best season, 1800 yards and 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 whatever. Anyway, yeah, you know, I'm a, he got hurt. That was no, he got he, he got he got hurt in 98. Oh, okay. Okay. That's when that's when Steve Young got hurt and Jerry got hurt, uh, his ACL in week one and came back in week 17 and caught a touchdown, broke his knee, but he came back and played, you know, like three months after uh ACL tear, which is he probably shouldn't have done that, but that was ridiculous. So uh, but props to props to the, the Bengals for making the Super Bowl. We talked a lot about Mahomes. Uh, but the Bengals got it done. So for all the yeah. Bengals fans out there, uh, uh-huh. they can icky shuffle back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy, you know, for the Rams. Uh, you know, uh, when it because for me, again, as 49, I, I always felt we were playing with house money. And I'm saying yeah. that not to be sour grapes, but honestly, I knew when they were making that run uh, to get into the playoffs with Jimmy G, this team, there's only so much it can do. Right. And at some point, you can't game plan around a quarterback that's playing subpar. Like, you can't do that. Uh, so happy for the Rams. Uh, a lot of demons being exercised. Odell Beckham Jr. was not the problem in Cleveland, but we're going to have that discussion. You know, Matthew Stafford getting there. And, and look, I am, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to buy for the next two weeks that Matthew Stafford had no weapons in Detroit. Dude had Megatron. For like with seven or eight seasons, like <laughs> you got Calvin Johnson, you got a dude, like you've got the dude. So I, I know the rest of the roster, the rest of the organization, but come on, <laughs> he was not bereft of talent uh, in Detroit. So Rams, Bengals, I, I'm excited that I get to actually watch the game. Uh, when your team is in the Super Bowl, it's stressful because it's it's all this buildup, and you just want to watch the game. Uh, I would rather lose to the Rams than get to the uh, Super Bowl and lose to the Bengals. Because mm. if they mm. lose to the Bengals, I'd have to fight a lot of those Kentucky fans on the timeline. Uh, <laughs> you know, but look, for me, this was great. Uh, we beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We, we beat uh, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs again. Awesome. Yep. So, you know, and most 49ers fans are like, you know, house money. And when and, and I sent out a congratulatory tweet to the Rams fans, the Bengals fans. It's great. I've been very fortunate as a sports fan. I have seen every team I'm diehard for win multiple championships. Yeah. You know, uh, I know for some reason people want to say those old Super Bowls don't count. Well, I remember them so they count. I remember mm-hmm. vividly Super Bowl 23, 24, and 29. I've seen I can can chart out. Those three Super Bowl champions, that, that's more than a lot of people have seen, yeah. unless you're uh, uh, unless you're a, a Patriots fan. I've seen the Lakers. We've, we've talked about this. I'm 44. The Lakers won 11 championships in my life. Like, I'm fortunate. I've seen three championships for my, for my beloved Wildcats. So mm-hmm. the, the thing about being a fan is, yeah, you can be disappointed when your team loses. Like, I wasn't happy after the game. The game ended. 
uh, and I went and watched Justice League uh, cartoon reruns. Like I knew I wasn't going to tune on ESPN. I don't need Mina Khan's on there talking about, we told you Jimmy G was sorry. Because most <laughs> 49ers fans are like, yeah, we know. Like mm-hmm. That's the thing is, all these people, the only thing I didn't like about the Jimmy G discourse was who was saying that he was good? Most yeah. people were just saying the team wins when he plays. That's all most fans were saying. They just figure it out. And for whatever reason, the players like him. You know, it's not like he was making those plays and being a jerk. The players liked him. The team has been winning. That's all most 49ers fans. I'm like, who is telling you that Jimmy G, well, we got Montana, we got Young, we got Jimmy G. Ain't nobody making that. No one is doing that. So I think so- a lot of the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff <laughs> went overboard. Mm-hmm. Because we all like most fans are like, hey, if he can just get it down to two bad passes, we might win this week instead yeah. of the three to four bad passes. Because yeah. <laughs> I most of us have been very uh honest about who he is. I, I told you in the lead up to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I don't, I don't know. I ain't gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you that he's that dude. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So um mm-hmm. Got to say congratulations to Wondell Robinson. He was the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year. Uh, we get to vote in that, so we've got our ballots in for Mark's story. and uh, It was a heck of a ballot. So we can talk about that next week, maybe what our thought process is, and get Mark on here sometime like we always do to, to talk about it. And, it, 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 man, it's always hard, and, and uh, I've been in some, some chat rooms with folks. that it, It's not easy. It, it's not easy to get to 10 yeah. uh, Kentucky folks. And then it's not easy to rank the 10, mm-hmm. uh, but congrats to, to, to Wandale. Um, and, and, and I understand there's a little bit of Kentucky fatigue. I think the last four uh, play uh, Kentucky sportsman, the sports person of the year have been associated with Kentucky. I get yeah. that. And I think Kentucky football has had a couple of those. Cause I think Bowden won. And I think um, Oops, Stoops got one, I think. Yeah, like and Schlarman yeah. got, got it, and now one yeah. So I get, I get all that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. But, man, yeah. what a good what a good show. That 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 show went uh, it went quick when you got some – when you got great guests, it, it makes for a much, much easier show. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep on bringing some guests to y'all. Appreciate y'all continuing to listen or watch whatever you choose to do. You got either option, you know, Anchor, Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you listen, and Roku TV, Roku device, wherever you want to watch. Uh, you got all those options. So, uh, you know, tell us what you think. Tweet at us. Uh, screenshot us the Roku stuff if you did, like, like Terry in Arizona and those, Brian Eldridge and those people who were watching us on the Roku uh, if you want to advertise your business or product, holler at us and we'll promote it here on Roku as well. And keep bringing you fun, good shows every week. Next week is the week Super Bowl week. We can talk a little bit more about, you know, who we think is going to win. Kentucky will have played Alabama. Uh, all kind of stuff will still be going on. So we'll be right here again and I'll try to have some guests. Sometimes it's Terry and I, sometimes we have guests. Appreciate y'all checking it all out. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Glad you had fun in Lawrence. Glad you got to go see the the Drake game. You had a heck of a sports weekend. 
Uh, yeah. Even in spite of the Niners, you had a lot of fun stuff in and around all that. So. Well, well, Adam was like, you don't need to sit around. Because once I, you know, I said, you know, the Niners, Rams, that's going to be the nightcap, right? Because everybody thought the the Chiefs were going to win and going away turned out to be a pretty good game. But I'm like, looking at it, Niners, Rams going to be the nightcap. He's like, you don't need to sit around with that nervous energy. Let's go to the the the, the Drake game. And it was Loyola of Chicago and Sister Jean was there. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, but Adam did some digging. Apparently, she has a actual sister somewhere in Iowa. So she always comes to when Loyola plays Drake because she visits her sister. I want to say Urbandale, but that may not be right. Someplace in Iowa. It's Ooh. all once you leave Des Moines, it's all Iowa. So <laughs> uh, but that was that was fun. And and I enjoyed it again. It was a good atmosphere. Uh, you know, only eight, nine thousand people. But still, I, I had a good actually going to go uh, on Saturday before the uh, Alabama game. So uh, going back to going back to Drake, uh, you know, become a uh, become a Drake fan. Hey, there you go, man. There you go. Enjoy it and have fun. And y'all have fun listening and come back next week. We'll be here next week for Terry Brown. This is Vinny Hardy. Thanks to Sarah Sanchez and Al High. And we'll bring you another fun episode just like next week. Everybody stay safe, stay warm, all that good stuff. And we'll see y'all next time on Cast Talk Wednesday.